Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sox Pod with Charlie and Zidane. I'm Winnie host. My name is Charlie. I'm going to do it before every episode. Remember, Instagram and TikTok, we've been posting on there. Instagram, if you're going to pick one, choose Instagram because if you follow us, you'll see every time we post a new podcast and a day before, we'll always make a post kind of hinting what the episode's going to be about with a little picture and telling you guys to tune in. Before we start, this is not going to go into our news section. We want to give our you know condolences to Tommy Lasorda and his family. Obviously, legendary manager, 93, born in 1927, long, long time ago. Great manager for the Dodgers. And I was just watching MLB Network, and they were doing a, what's the word, a tribute to him. And he was a crazy guy, sometimes very, very mean. But that his meanness won him titles. So I think everyone needs to focus on Lasorda for the next couple of days and really, even though I, I wasn't alive when he was managing, I know how good of a manager he was. Zidane, what are your thoughts on this uh, tragic event? I mean, just one of the most important Dodgers in their history ever. You know, two-time NL Manager of the Year and two-time World Series champion. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame for a reason, and it's a sad loss for the baseball community. Okay, Charlie, you want to take us into our actual news? All right. So we're going to – this This was going to be in the news section, but we decided to take it out, you know, because Lasorda and everything such a legend, and I think that should be a he – should, he should get his own topic. But for news, we only got one piece of news, and we want to take a little bit of time to talk about it. It's going to be Francisco Lindor, but apart from that, Zidane, how's the podcast going to roll out? Okay, so as you said, we're going to talk about the news. Then we're going to talk about advanced stats again, this time doing DRS, one of the most usable and interesting ones that we're going to be able to talk about. Then an all-free agent team. And then after that, we're going to have an open discussion about the White Sox and what they could keep doing or should keep doing. And also the MLB free agency in general and why already in a January, almost all the free agents haven't signed. Okay, Charlie, what happened right. with Francisco Lindor? Wow, 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 wow. Francisco Lindor to the Mets. The Mets are serious and ready for a playoff push. It is quite ridiculous. I am very happy. because If you're going to ask me my thoughts, I'm pretty happy because he's not in Cleveland anymore, and their team is significantly weaker without him because he is good on both sides, hitting and defense. So this is – it's a really interesting trade because Lindor – He's, he's such an amazing player, and the the players that the Indians got were pretty interesting, but I'm going to just tell the trade before we before I ask it on his thoughts. So it was the Mets get Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, and Cleveland receives Ahmed Rosario. Uh, I think it's Andres Jimenez. I can't read my own handwriting. That's pretty bad. Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. So... I think Carlos Carrasco is actually pretty good. And he, I want to talk about how he always killed the White Sox when he played against us. So that's pretty good that he is, um, oh no, no, the Mets got, yeah, the Mets. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I had to mix up for a sec. It's very good that we're not going to have to face him anymore. He always, he always killed the White Sox. And I saw a stat. I don't know if I saved it to my camera, but while I look for that, Zidane, what are your thoughts on this move? I know it's very, very, very significant. The Steve Cohen era is here. Mets fans are ecstatic and for good reason. They all not only got Francisco Lindor, which everyone knows 
one of the be- one of if not at his best the best shortstop in baseball such a stacked position he brings a unique combination of sorry I don't know why I'm getting a call go on okay a unique combination of speed amazing stellar defense and also can hit 30 bombs and 100 RBIs for you in a season but the piece I really want to talk about is Carlos Carrasco he's a consistent great guy he recently beat cancer came back and he played well last year so he will solidify that rotation as Noah Syndergaard is coming back from um, Tommy John surgery. And then for what the Indians got, you know, Ahmed Rosario, he's a placeholder at best, you know. The only reason he was involved in this trade is because if you're getting a shortstop, you got to give up one. What's interesting, the main pieces, is Isaiah Green, who is a great prospect and who could turn out to be a great player in that outfield for Cleveland. Now Andres Jimenez, who I think will have a bright future in that city. He already showed out in last year with being with being placed seventh in the NL Rookie of the Year, and Josh Wolf, a pitching prospect. So nice pieces. What are your thoughts, Charlie? Yeah, so I'm I'm right now finding these stats. I forgot. Uh, I was reading up on SoxMachine.com, and they made an article called "Francisco Lindor Trade Appears to Be a Clear Path for White Sox." They obviously talked about the move, but they also talked about how Carlos Carrasco always destroyed the White Sox. And I think it was this article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, quote, they say, I'm, I'm going to try to find the author, uh, Jim Margulis. Love the guy. I always read up on his story. So, he says, Carrasco, who had pitched 30 games and 163 innings against the White Sox in a career that started way back in 2009, morphed into a grade A Sox killer over the last three seasons. And... He also said Carrasco's dominance of the White Sox was to the extent that a 2.40 ERA seemed high, but there's a reason. His last three appearances against the White Sox in 2019 were all rough, but they were all adjacent to his battle with chronic myeloid leukemia. He he also went on the injured list and giving up six runs over six in the third inning to the White Sox on May 30th, and then the Sox torched him over a pair of unsuccessful relief outings. We killed him one time, but oh my God, he threw 12 shutout innings um, in May of 2019, including uh, a rain short and five inning two hitter. He has a good record against us, and I'm very happy that he is going to the Mets. Zan asked my thoughts, and I gave him that because I don't want any, I don't want a three team fight for the top two in the AL Central. I don't, I don't want that, knowing how good the Twins are and how good the Indians play against us. But without Lindor, without Carrasco, they got Bieber. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Their pitching is still awesome, but I think they're hitting. They're they're gonna really gonna miss Lindor. He's one of their best players in a while that they've that they've had. I think Zidane would agree with that. And one of the best shortstops in baseball is now in New York and in the Big Apple. So I think I'm just happy with that. But with the talking about the actual trade, I think it's a solid trade. The Mets got Lindor and Carrasco. Carrasco's a like, I think he's an underrated starting pitcher, and I think he's solid. So, Cleveland, I'm not sure really what they're doing. They needed to get – they wanted to get rid of Lindor. I heard it the start of last season. And I think it's an interesting deal, and we'll have to see, you know, how it plays out. If the Mets are really going to make that playoff push. But moving on to another segment of Advanced Stats. Like I said two episodes ago, we will be doing this every other podcast, or if we're really struggling to find ideas, we'll do it every podcast. But 
what we're going to do is DRS, defensive run saved. Zidane, what is the actual definition of defensive run saved? DRS is a very interesting stat. It basically takes a player's entire defensive performance by measuring how many runs a defender saves in a season. And sometimes you can see it in half season, as we saw in 2020. It takes into account errors, range, outfield arm, double play ability. So it's a very useful stat, and it's used a lot when assessing players' defensive woes or being really good at it. And Charlie, what do you have on this? All right, so I did some of my own research, and I read that Adrian Beltre has the highest defensive run saved in a career with 202. And statistically, with this stat, Derek Jeter is one of the worst fielders in, of, in baseball history with a negative 155 defensive run saved. I thought that was very surprising yeah. because even though Derek Jeter, obviously he's not the best best you know player of all time, he's, he's up there, and it surprised me. But negative 155, that's pretty surprising. And I also, I'm very lucky that I found this because it is a White Sox podcast. You guys might not believe this because – over, I don't know, what is it, 10 episodes that we haven't done a uh, a White Sox episode? It was like episode 8 or 9 that the, ep- yeah. that the season finished. So we got to try to get more, you know, non-MLB news and got to put more White Sox news in there. This isn't news, but this is a very interesting stat. So it's not a stat. I don't know why I didn't get the number. But a great DRS season was Aaron Rowan in 2005 for the Sox, which – his was considered elite. I'm forgetting his his um his actual numbers, but I read up that 15 to 20 defensive runs saved in a season is elite. So I would assume that is in that range or above. So that's pretty cool. Aaron Rowan obviously was pretty instrumental in 2005 season. Honestly, I think if I wasn't a White Sox fan, I would not know who he was. So I think that's pretty cool that when I was searching up DRS, Aaron Rowan popped up. So that was pretty cool. Just a short segment on defensive run saves. Is there anything you want to add, or we can move on to the all-2021 free agent team? Right before we move on, I just have a little more showing of the stat. And in its use, top five players in this season, 2020, in DRS. Number one, who always has amazing defensive numbers. Honestly, I believe the best defensive player in baseball, Nolan Arenado, with a DRS of 15. Number two is Joey Gallo in the outfield with 12 DRS. You know, he has a cannon arm. Makes sense. And number three, one of the best players in baseball, if not the Mookie Betts with 11 DRS. Number four, one of the best defenders in baseball, Kevin Kiermaier of the Tampa Bay Rays with 10 DRS, tied with Dansby Swanson with 10 DRS as well. And here's a nice stat for you just to finish this off. The White Sox, the White Sox player with the highest DRS is Luis Robert with eight DRS. That's just a nice little advanced stat to see defense. So Charlie, tell us about the all free agent team. All right. So what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be giving our all twenty twenty one free agent teams. Obviously, there's many, many players on this list that are rumored to go places, but they haven't signed anywhere yet, so they're on our team. So, starting off with catcher, 
none other than JT Real Muto. Obviously, solid, solid offensive player. 2021, who has 11 home runs, 32 RBIs, but his defense is where he really shines as a catcher. And I think that, you know, the Mets got McCann and the Mets were looking to get Real Muto. I think he's going to stay in Philly, which is surprising because I didn't think he would at the start of the season. But the Phillies have a very, very good catcher, and their fans should be lucky. Zidane, who's your catcher? This may surprise you, but no, it won't surprise you because it's got to be JT Ramuto. The best catcher in baseball is the best free agent catcher. That just makes sense. He is so good. He's by far, he is great defense great offense, and if you watch him go around the base pass, he has surprising speed, so just a great all-around player and by far the best free agent catcher. Okay, Trevor, here's an interesting one. Who's your best free agent first baseman? I will be stating my first baseman, but I forgot to say a stat about JT Romuto. He was in a 95th percentile in pitch framing in 2020. So that's a very, very cool stat that I found when uh, reading up on Real Muto in his season last year, so that's pretty cool. I said he's a great defensive catcher, and that just backs it up. First base, this is very, very hard, but I have I like this guy, and I'm pretty high on him, is Ryan Zimmerman. I think he was a key part, Nationals roster over the years, and he's a veteran, not too old. I think he was around 36, but he should have a you know good ride wherever he goes, and if he stays – in Washington, I'm not sure he will. If he moves on, whoever team gets him is pretty lucky. I think Zimmerman's a great first baseman. Is it on who's yours? I'm honestly surprised that by, by that pick. But for first baseman, I just want to preface this by saying I definitely would have taken Carlos Santana if he had not already signed with yes. Kansas City. But as he is no longer a free agent, you know, he had a lot less players to pick. And for this position, I got to pick my guy, Mitch Moreland. He is a lefty killer if he comes in and you have a righty on the mound, you better be scared. He had a 1.6 war this season. Obviously not the best, but he definitely was great with Boston before he got traded at the Padres. Let's see. He's He can sometimes slide into a DH or a bench bet for that Padres team with Eric Hosmer at first base. But I think if he signs someone else, he could definitely be a starter. And he is very nice pop. So he could hit 25 homers. So he could always have a breakout season. You never know. Okay, Charlie, he's a, here is a, I think, pretty obvious one. What do you have at second base? My guy, DJ LeMahieu, pretty easy. Who really, who doesn't love this guy? I mean, probably not Red Sox fans or Mets fans, but this guy is really fun to watch. He came up through the ranks, and he wasn't really elite, and the Yankees got him, and they developed him. He was awesome. Um, his, I'm just reading my stats right here. He has... Lots of power, actually, despite um, getting the batting champion award with the, for the highest average. But he has power, which is even better because we see guys like Tim Anderson. And I'm not really contrasting them, actually, because they're very similar players. I don't know why on my list I read that they're different, but they're not because Tim has power and Tim can hit for average. So that's a good comparison there for all you White Sox fans. I think... DJ is a good defender, and Tim Anderson, he can hit, and he can field as well, and he has power. So I think that's a very good comparison, Either even though one's a shortstop and one's a second baseman. 
I didn't have any numbers because I know you would, Zidane. Zidane, do you have any numbers on DJ LeMahieu? Uh, other than that, he is 32 years old. Oh, well, I obviously picked DJ LeMahieu. Um, he also had a 7.8 war in just 60 games this season. That just shows you how good he was. And as you said, he won the batting title, barely beating out Tim Anderson on almost the last day of the season, but completely well-deserved. You know, he was a great player in Colorado, but a lot of people were like, oh, it's Coors Field, you know. It's, it's easier to hit home runs. It's easier to get hits. That's just an easier stadium. And we've seen that with Rockies players. But then he went to the Yankees, and he got even better because he has pop, as you said. And the interesting thing is when you compare him to him and Tim Anderson, DJ LeMahieu's is different in the fact where he will take walks. You know, Tim Anderson, he almost never walks because he wants you to pitch to him, and he wants to get a hit. But DJ LeMahieu, he has a great eye. He lets you go outside the zone. He makes you. Either pitch him a fastball or walk him. That's all you can do. He's a great player. And it's very interesting. It's, it will be very interesting to see where he signs. Okay, Charlie? Uh, this should be an interesting one. Who do you have at third base? At third base, I got my guy. Wait, we're not going around the horn here. We missed shortstop. I think, my bad. I think we'll go shortstop. Yes. Who is your short, shortstop? Let's give you a, a first-time pick. This is a pretty good, you know, three-headed monster at shortstop with Andrewson Simmons, Didi Gregorius, and the guy I'm picking, Marcus Simeon. He came in third in MVP voting two years ago in 2019 with 33 homers, uh, near 900 OPS. Great season, great player. And, you know, we were expecting more from him, but you definitely see he went back and forth. You know, this was not a great year, 220 average, a near 700 OPS, bad season for him. And this definitely hurts him in the free agent market. As you know, less teams will be interested. He will obviously get signed, but maybe for less money. And, you know, when I think of a player like him, I think back to, like, the Josh Donaldsons and the Marcelo Zunas, you know. The Braves both got guys on prove-it contracts. People like to call them one-year, small money, big incentive. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, one year, they can prove that they're worth a long-term contract. So, I'd love to see what he does. Okay, Charlie, who do you have a choice? I do have Marcus Simeon. I'm actually it's, – it's just like Tatis. I get a little depressed when I'm talking about this guy because I actually am very high on him. We did draft him, actually. He got drafted by the White Sox. And it was in the early 2000s, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know the year. But, Zidane, if you want to search that up, that would be a big help. But – Zidane was talking that he did not have a great season last year, and I would agree. I read up that his left side of his body, like his torso, I think, around there, he had lots of soreness, and it sidelined him for a good chunk of time. And it this is actually an interesting stat. It snapped a 276-game streak of him starting at shortstop. I think that is actually pretty interesting because he's usually a healthy guy, and Playing for 276 games and anything is very, very impressive. And I think that A's roster is pretty staffed, in my opinion. You know, they're not the most strong team. I think they're actually pretty good. And I think if he was healthy and if he had a better season, obviously he's one of the biggest parts of their roster, especially hitting-wise. And I think 
wherever he goes. I think this is actually a very underrated, excuse me, a very underrated purchase this would be if someone got Simeon because say like a team that doesn't have a good shortstop, they get Simeon and he is there and he is stuck and he will play a good run of games for you if that left side healed properly over this offseason, which I hope it does because I actually like the guy. And I think he is a very, very solid uh, player. And he's a, he's a pretty big guy too. And he's strong. He can hit for power. He can hit for contact. He can do pretty much any, anything. And he's a solid fielder as well. Now moving on to third base, who do you got, Zidane? Just before I say that, Marcus Simeon was drafted by the White Sox in the sixth round of the 2011 MLB draft. Early 2010s, my bad. Yeah. Well, here is a much older guy, but still very talented guy at third base, Justin Turner, 36. He's getting up there in age, but I believe in him. He always hits for a high batting average. You know, batting average isn't always the best stat to say, but it does affect the game. He gets on base good. And you've really seen his power just being consistent since he signed with the Dodgers quite a while ago. Honestly, it's been a while, but he just has power. He showed up in the postseason a lot. You know, he did have some backlash with him not wearing a mask in the celebration after he tested positive, but was an integral part of that team for the years that he was there. And let's see where he signs. Okay, Troy, tell us. Third base, I got just that third base. It's not very surprising. I know Zidane knows I like him, and Zidane mentioned the average, how it's not very important, but the number in 2020 was 307. The thing with Justin Turner, Zidane mentioned the playoffs, and I think that's actually very big because if he goes to a contender, I really couldn't tell you. There's a, there's a lot of guys that could use a player like – a lot of teams that could use a player like Justin Turner. I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. But Justin Turner, he will always – get hits, but he could have, you know, he might be like Jock Peterson where he has some slumps, and it was a couple seasons ago where he was fine, but when he was really, really getting popular, I remember, if anyone knows the YouTube channel Dodger Films, I think Zidane does, I actually know he does, that he used to go to the games, and he uh, he then was told by the Dodger people who worked at the Dodger Stadium that he couldn't come back anymore or he couldn't record videos. And the last season, I believe, of him being able to record, Justin Justin Turner had his first year uh, in L.A. And all the Dodger fans were so high on him and everything. I actually think he had a very underrated career in L.A. But Zidane mentioned the power, and I do agree that he has consistent power, except in 2020. I read up that his power actually dropped in 2020 which I actually noticed in the playoffs as well. And I think that for a player like Justin Turner, who, yeah, he's a good fielder, but he can hit for contact. But if he's in a slump and he doesn't hit for power from time to time, he's pretty much useless in my opinion. So he needs to bounce back in 2020 with, 2021 with his powers. Is there any thoughts on Justin Turner before we move on to pitcher? Um, As you said, his power may have dipped in 2020. But I also think, you know, so did a lot of players, and it was only a 60-game season, you know, not much time to bounce back. So let's see what he does in 2021. But, okay, I'll go to my left fielder. There are multiple guys I could have chosen here. One I put at my DH. Later, you will hear, but the left fielder, I got Michael Brantley, you know. He's a favorite of both of ours. We both like watching him play baseball. He is such a complete player, and – he is getting up there in age with 30. He's as he is 34, but 
the way he plays the game, it looks like he continued playing for a good three years or four. He hits with contact, and what was so interesting is when he went to Houston with no trash cans, that was, this was after, he found a power renaissance, and I believe he had 30 homers. Then last season, I think he hit six to eight, and that's a pretty good number in 60 games. So great player. I hope the White Sox sign him, but we we shall see. He's going to succeed no matter where he goes. Okay, Charlie, who is your left In left field, I got Michael Brantley. I apologize if our lists are very similar, but hopefully you guys are learning and reading up on these players because of us, and hopefully your team gets one of these guys so you know more about them. All right, Michael Brantley. I think when I found this, actually pretty excited because we've done two advanced stats, DRS and OPS+. And I found Michael Brantley's OPS plus in 2020, and it was 126, which we know that is really good from two episodes ago when we went over it. It was, I think anything higher than 100, if I'm mistaken, was considered very, very good. And Michael Brantley, like Zidane said, experienced a power surge. We've talked, we've said that Michael Brantley has experienced a power surge so many times on this podcast because he is one of our top uh, free agent targets to come to Chicago. And I think we need to keep restating that because Michael Brantley flies under the radar for teams, you know, who are set in left field. They see him and they're like, oh, no, but we need an outfielder. And I think he'd be a perfect fit. So 126 OPS plus awesome experience the power surge and everything. And I want him in Chicago. I want him in Chicago. That's it. Michael Brantley left field. Zidane, who is your center fielder? This is very obvious as well. It is. It is a guy we hoped would come to Chicago, would come to Chicago, but that's not going to nope. happen. I I believe he'll sign with the Blue Jays. George Springer, he is a complete player. He plays pretty good defense, but he's an elite player when he's at the plate. He has power. He has contact. He has everything you want in a player. And he's also a leader. He is well-liked around the league, even with the Astros scandal and stuff. I believe he handled it in one of the best ways. He kept his head down. He didn't make too many remarks. Then he came out the season, balled out, and now he's going to get a new contract somewhere else. So I'm very happy for him, and I can't wait to see him ball out in a new uniform. Okay, Charlie? What do you think about George? I would definitely have to agree. My pick as well should be everyone else's pick. I would totally agree with Zidane on the whole – uh, trash can Astro scandal and how he was he went on the he went on the down low for a lot of it and I think he's actually an underrated fielder and I think he is one of I think he is the best outfielder in free agency and he's top five in the MLB could be a hot take or it could not be a hot take but I think he is I've always really loved the guy even though the whole Astros and everything you guys know that I actually I like the Astros when the White Sox weren't good and they were in the playoffs. I would always root for them in the playoffs. And I love the guys like, you know, very controversial Correa, Altuve. And I like Springer the most actually, because he really, he always stood out to me. I know Zidane's not going to like that, but George Springer, Mm -hmm. obvious pick for center field. Zidane, who is in your right field spot. Right field is an interesting spot. And I think it's one of the worst positions on our team. The White Sox and the all-free agent team, it's Adam Eden. And, you know, Charlie's a big fan of him from before. I also liked him when he was with the White Sox before. But he's 32 now. He's no longer that good of a player. He is a 
eight or nine hole play um in your in your lineup at best. You know. The seasons of him just racking up triples and doubles all the time and stealing bases, that's gone, you know. He's serviceable, I guess. Like, you can put in there and not worry. But if you have a chance to get someone better, you're going to take it. And that's the type of player Adam Eno has become. Okay, Charlie? Who do you have in right field? All right, right field. Although this player may have not played every single game in his whole entire life, which he hasn't at right field, I wanted to merge positions with DH and right field, so I actually have Marcelo Zuna. Although it is looking highly likely that he is going to go back to Atlanta, he's still considered a free agent. And I think he had – oh, yeah, so he had a 175 OPS plus going back on it this year, which is absolutely ridiculous, and 18 home runs. So that is a elite elite, knowing that pretty much anything over 100 is pretty solid, and 176 is ridiculous. I think – it was anything above 150 is like elite and anything above 100, 100 to 100, you know, 4950, whatever you want to say is good. So that's why I had 126 OBS plus for Michael Brantley. Then you look at Ozuna with 175, 18 home runs. We all know his year in Atlanta. He's the he's the best hitter in free agency. You can't debate that. I don't think you can debate me if I'm wrong, because I think he is. And I'm very high on him. I want him in Chicago, but I think he's going to stay in Atlanta. So there's no point in wasting my breath talking about Ozuna to the White Sox because that's not going to happen. But Ozuna, clear pick for DH, and I just wanted to merge positions. So that's my right fielder. I chose – I should have discussed this with Zidane, but a one pitcher and one reliever. The starting pitcher is very obvious. I think both positions are very obvious, but one of them is rumored to the White Sox, so I do want to talk about that. But let's go to the one who is not rumored to go to the White Sox. Who is your pick for free agency for the number one starting pitcher? Just before I say that, I also have to say for my DH, I did choose Marcelo Zuna. He's a stud. Chose said everything that needed to be said. But for starting pitcher, one of my favorite players in the MLB, one of the best showers of his personality. Yep, Trevor Bauer. He is electric. He is likable, he's funny, and he plays the game with a passion. You know, you watched him last season. He would, he would celebrate by acting like he's chugging because he, he kept just striking out people. He, NL Cy Young winner, absolute stud this season. And I do believe he'll go to the Angels, And but whoever gets him will be getting a true bona fide ace. I can't wait to see where he lands, and I can't wait to see him ball out as long as he's not doing it against the White Sox. Okay, Trevor? Yep. Who's your Definitely Trevor Bauer. Zidane said pretty much everything that needs to be said, but I'm going to go off little, like, stats and everything for a little bit. I love I love Trevor Bauer's personality. His YouTube channel is so sick. Like, a couple years ago, you would never really think about a, a player who does vlogs in the middle of a season, which he did, and videos – at least one every single week about like about baseball news that like he's involved with on his on his Instagram story he was like where should I go he put a Blue Jays hat on trolled everyone put a White Sox fan, uh, hat on trolled everyone put an Angels hat on trolled everyone San Diego Padres trolled everyone it was so funny and he made a video yesterday about the Lindor uh, trade the Lindor move and I think it's just pretty interesting like you have a fellow player one of the best pitchers in baseball talking about one of the best hitters or the best fielders, whatever you want to say in baseball, I'm making YouTube video. I think that's pretty cool. But 
Zidane says wherever he goes, that team will be very good and will be very improved. And I would agree. I think he's going to go with the Angels. I said that uh, at the start of the offseason. I'm sticking with it. Hopefully it's true. Reliever, Liam Hendricks, I'm just going to say it right now. Rumor to go to the White Sox. Don't know what we do with Colome, but that, that discussion is for the open discussion later on. And it's Liam Hendricks, no doubt about it. And I think when we faced him in the playoffs, shut down, and he's Australian, which is actually pretty cool. I don't know of any other Australians in baseball. Zan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you'll be able to because who knows Australians in, a, in baseball, but I find it cool. Liam Hendricks, he has pretty much everything you want in a pitcher. He's like Trevor Bauer. He's very enthusiastic, screams every time he ends an inning, you know, any uh, intense inning, and his breaking pitches are very, very solid. Anything you want to add about Liam Hendricks? There's nothing else I can say except he's an absolute stud. He hopefully will come to the White Sox and turn around this bullpen. He is the best closer, I believe, in baseball. And best relief pitcher free agent. That's all I got. Okay, try. Why you lead us into our next all right. section? So discussion, we're gonna split this into two. One is really why free agency is so slow. And the other is just we're gonna reopen our White Sox discussion that we have from time to time about the recent rumors and how our team's gonna shape up, some stuff like that. But I want to start with the why is free agency slow so slow. And I'm gonna start because I think that I have some interesting points. I was reading an article from Bob Nightingale. Lots of MLB fans follow his Twitter. He's a very good – his account is actually very good. He reports news right away, and I was reading an article. And what he was talking about is this is – this is this one thing is actually very obvious. I'm sure all of you know. The pandemic has altered – each team's spending ability. There's some teams that have lost $3 billion, which is absolutely ridiculous. That is a lot and lot of money. But all sports have been affected by it. Baseball is going to be affected by it. There's really no way around it. And another reason is, this is another obvious one, they don't really know the fan situation because we never know. Fans could start rolling in, not by the numbers, just by, you know, a couple, a couple thousand into the stadium, you know, not even half capacity, definitely not half capacity, just to slow, slowly accumulate some money because I think lots of MLB teams are hurting because of this and they need, I know a team in soccer, Arsenal in England, they needed a, they needed like a loan or whatever you call it. They needed like, they needed lots of money because they couldn't afford to, uh, to, you know, spend all they want because the fans aren't there and it's it's the same in baseball as well and this is actually a very very interesting point the winter meetings i think free agency is so slow because actually no not i think bob nightingale was saying that there's no face-to-face interaction which makes the which makes the transactions harder to do which i think is actually very interesting and according to espn at this time last year there was 1.1 Nine five billion dollars spent in free agency, and that is considerably more than right now because right now people teams some teams are losing three billion. They can't spend a billion close, you know. They can't spend one point one nine five billion. That's just impossible for them. And like I said, MLB teams lost three billion in this pandemic, and 
the Yankees, the Astros, the Cubs, obviously you guys know that they have one of the highest payrolls and combining them yeah. together is only $750,000 that they've spent so far. So it's very, very interesting on why free agency is still so obviously not good for our podcast because we don't have lots of news. And the Mets, think about this, they paid $40 million for James McCann, which is $39.8 million more than the whole entire National League Central Division, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Zidane, what are your thoughts? Why is free agency slow, slow? How mad are you? Because I'm very mad that there's not a lot of action going on. I'm just as angry as you, but the thing I didn't think, I think, the thing I think you didn't focus on enough was the owners and those front offices. So, for example, you mentioned how some teams may lose $3 billion. When you said that, I started to think, and I started to remember, you know, the Phillies. They had a lot of drama, and I don't know where you got that number from, but I do think, like, the Phillies owner said to their star face the franchise player, Bryce Harper, that they lost nearly $4 billion in the COVID pandemic. Turns out that team, at least, just the Phillies, their owner completely lied. They lost $500 million, which is still a lot, but let me tell you, it's not $4 billion. And the thing is, I also re- recently read a report by, um, I don't know by who, but it was they went around talking to MLB players' agents, and each of these agents were saying these front offices are letting the free agent market sit for a while. They want it to keep going. They're taking advantage of like that the players have a bigger fear that they may not get signed, so they're going to be able to sign players to a cheaper amount. So they're just waiting them out basically. And, It sucks for baseball and baseball fans in general, you know. As both of you, as both of us know, excuse me, owners and players' relationships are, I believe, the worst in MLB, you know. Sometimes you may have heard it before where they keep a player in the minors for a certain amount of time more than they're supposed to. For example, Chris Bryant, I believe. They kept him in the minors for just a little bit longer, so they'd have to avoid arbitration one year. And that just sucks, because like, players like Vladimir Guerrero, he's going to take longer for him to get paid as much as he should than other players, and that just sucks. So, you know, owners of baseball always seem to mess this thing up, whether it's, like, unless they're, whether they're talking with the MLB player union or during this free agency, they just suck. And I really don't like them. What do you think about like these owners? Cause like they always do this stuff. I, it's so confusing right before I go into that. I don't know what I was saying. It is in total, the MLB as a, as a, as a total, not some teams have lost 3 billion. That's just not possible. It was the three to $5 billion range. That sounds better. Am I right? So, you asked mm-hmm. what I thought about these owners. Yeah, I mean, you have owners in lots of sports who do this, do this kind of stuff. But, like, I think that I, I don't – it's very confusing because some owners do this. Some owners are good and some owners are bad. But all of the owners you listed out and, you know, with the Phillies and everything, they're very controversial. Controversial. And, obviously, Rob Manfred is not an owner, but he's the commissioner of MLB – 
Lots of you know, lots of the top guys in baseball right now. Lots of guys don't like Manfred. You were talking about the player manager or player uh, owner relationships. Talk about the player and commissioner relationships. Those people, the players hate Manfred. And when I mean hate, they really, really dislike Manfred. He's done. They didn't like how he handled COVID with the with um, the amount of games. They did not like how long it took him and his his guys to figure out how many games they need to play. Obviously, ultimately leading into a 60-game season. And po- there's also positive owner news. You know, Cohen's spending big, and I think he's a lot. Lots of guys like him. His Twitter's pretty funny as well. But yes, there's always going to be owners mm-hmm. like that. But I definitely agree with any everything you said. More thoughts or anything before we move on to the White Sox portion of the open discussion? I mean, Rob Manfred, he should be fired. <laughs> like, I think back, like, you got to think, what has he ever done right? When has he been good at his job? You know, because Adam Silver, who I believe is the best commissioner in all sports in the NBA, he, it took him like two weeks to set up an entire bubble for the playoffs. And that was a great experience and made the NBA actual money. Then the NFL, you know, some Roger Goodell does get criticized, but, you know, at least he kind of does his job. Robert Manfred just sucks at everything. He shouldn't be in the business of the MLB because, first of all, we we had an opportunity to play, like, 150 exactly. games this season. And we got it to 60. Like, I even remember long before, Bryce Harper, a player, whose job is to play baseball, not plan out the season, had an actual plan where he's like realigned the divisions, which is what which is what hockey is doing, as we're both Blackhawks fans. You, you know how it's like, I think it's like Central, West, and East divisions. Why don't we do that? Like, just it pains me every time to see MLB just – not as good as other sports because they're just they used to be so much more popular like honestly before our time like you think back to the steroids area era and yeah oh they're all cheating but everyone watched baseball it was america's true pastime now it's not okay so uh any final yeah. thoughts on that what Harper I said, thing you know? is crazy like he had a plan and imagine if we were to play 150, around 150, you know, even more, 100 or more games, I would totally be satisfied. But with 60, that's way too short. And knowing how good the White Sox were this year, it would have been more fun to watch more baseball. But hopefully a longer season coming up. I don't know about 162-game season. I don't think anyone really knows yet. What do you, I actually want to know what's your prediction and what, how, how many games you think is going to be this season. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, it looks that we will start exactly on time. That's the main thing. And that That's the main it thing. It looks like we may have actually 162 games. I do think they'll have to, you know, how to do the weird double header thing where it's like only seven innings. But that's fine with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yep. it's interesting. But, mm-hmm. I also want to ask your opinion on the new extra inning rules, which I really hope they remove, because they suck. The 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 runner on second base. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you yeah. Get, yeah. I, who likes that? Like, why? Like, why are you just gifting them a runner on Put second base? Put it on base? first base at least. Go on. What were you saying? Like, sure, you can give it to first base, but a second base? They have three outs to get him home. That's not That's a scoring hard. position for a reason. Yes. You just a guy hits it in the left field, right field, even if it's caught, that dude can advance to third base. Then you just need one more fly. You get him to you get him to third and so you get like, a sack fly. It's the same thing every time. hmm And I don't know about you, but I remember this from the Indians White Sox game on ESPN. Yep. I believe that was one of the best games of the season I watched. It was super fun to watch. But, oh no. You know, they just, so easy for them. They just, I, I don't know, remember how, but they eventually did a suicide squeeze and got the dude to score. Oh, I remember. And, and then we were about to score, but then the weather said, nah. Said, no, we're going to start raining. Destroy your entire momentum. And then we lost. So... Yeah, it's a terrible idea. And then MLB, which I think they completely fumbled the bag with this one thing. Universal DH. They decided not to keep it. Why? What do you think about Universal DH? I'm guessing... I, I do want it. I think... I think I've had conversations with lots of people. And I think the more old school guys out there, the more people, you know in their, you know, more older than like 50 or 60, they're going to want to keep, they're going to want to keep the DH because they're more old school. But I think the message for all those, all those guys, you know, that are, I'm not, I wouldn't say like old people, but like old school because they grew up watching different baseball. I want to say that baseball is changing. It's changing. And I like to see, maybe you might, you may not like it, but I like to see a more, hitting focused game i think it's more fun and you already have people that don't watch baseball because they say it's boring obviously i disagree is it on how many kids in our school how many kids that we know hate baseball they all hate it no one watches it almost we're the only guys we're the only guys it's disappointing so i think if you make it a more hitting uh hitting rounded league you know with dh and national league and american league i think that would be good Those, those are my thoughts i what do you think any final thoughts before we move on to the Sox portion um, yeah, just, uh, you know, as you said, like, I think out of 20 people, let's say that I know, I think I know you, myself, and I think one more baseball fan, that's it. So, yeah, I really wish baseball would fix itself, <laughs> but, um, as long as Rob Manfred is happened. the idiot in charge, we won't do it. All right. Okay. Charlie, take us in the next section. All right, I'm going to open the discussion with a question. And the question is going to be for you. What do you think about these Brad, Brad Hand rumors to the White Sox, also to the Dodgers as well? Um, I like him. I like him. You know, he's a great lefty. He gets out, and he led the league with 16 saves, I think, last year. So he's a great player. So, yeah, I'm happy about that. But then I ask you. Do you think it's possible to get Brad Hand? And so yeah, this is this is a part I wrote, you know, wrote down especially because we can't forget that we do have Colin as well, and I think our actual, our bullpen, you know, it would whether you're closer or reliever. I'm just talking about bullpen as in in total. We could have some re- really really good arms. I mean, think about it. Bummer, 
Brad Hand, imagine, Garrett Crochet, Foster, Fry, Cody Hoyer. I think it could shape up to actually be pretty pretty good. But the thing is, does this mean that we would get rid of Kalame and have Hand to save, to you know, to splurge on a different position if we're ever going to spend big money, which we know we don't do? So it's actually, it's it's pretty confusing because with all these Liam Hendricks rumors, I think if we get Hendricks, Kalame is out of there. And we're gonna have to ride with Hendricks. Mm-hmm. But if we get hand, do we save money on that? We obviously don't get Hendricks, and then do we splurge on a different position? The question is, could we afford hand and Liam Hendricks? I don't know if it's quite it could be a question of affording, but I just don't think we would do it because the White Sox they don't like to spend money and they don't like to get big names. But I think if it's a big name, I wanna go with See. Hendricks. What are your thoughts? You know, how is the column A balancing all these guys that were rumored to with also having column A? How do you think it's gonna roll out? Interesting. It's interesting you say we don't spend money, but I mean, like, we're kind of turning that around. If you think we do about spend it. money, but I'm talking about big name mm-hmm. players. We don't spend money on big name players. You could say Grandal. See, could that's say what I'm talking about. Grandal, but you also think back. We were in the running for Manny Machado for but a while. But we didn't do it. We we were we're in yeah, the running well, for every player. Like that's every another team, question. Though, but we don't do it. We were in the running for Springer. We were. I say this with quotations we were in the running for Bauer but that's not going to happen this happens so many times and I think us as fans we need to realize that we don't spend that money and we need to be more real well I mean I think we the front office definitely changed a lot and Rick Hand I think he's done a great job an amazing job because you think I you almost forget about it because the offseason has sucked so far but we got Lance Lynn not a big name and he's a – I can't – wow. That is some Lance he's, Lynn he's slander. Good, he may not be a big name. He's not trying He's good. Who cares about the big name? I'd rather have a top three Cy Young candidate, top five almost every year in the last, past three years than, I don't know, some other big name. But, yeah, we don't spend. But you talk about column A and – it looks so far that we have no interest in re-signing him. Like, we just, like, you go. Because I think the Red Sox are connected to him the most. And if we do get Liam Hendricks, I don't think we should no. re-sign Colomay because he's no longer needed. But, see, I don't know. Because, like, there's a lot of – you could always move up your bull, move around your bullpen a lot. You know, we got – We don't back, know where going to go as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Michael oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. He technically doesn't have to start right away. You could always put him in relief, and he'd be pretty no, good. That's so, true. But that's going to be, like, it's going to be confusing. Or not confusing. It's going to be interesting yeah. because we've got to balance all these guys, all these bullpen arms, especially in the closing position. But if you don't have any final thoughts, if you don't want to add anything on, uh, I'll close this episode out. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, thinking. No, other than that, I think the White Sox are finally in a true position to win this division after the Francisco. We're gonna go out with that. I think that's a great. That's my bad, guys. It happened again. I will make sure to not cut it off right as I say goodbye and thank you because it happened last episode. It won't happen again. I need to like wait ten seconds, but. Without further ado, thanks guys for listening. Goodbye.